Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. Mark is in the New Testament. It's the second book of the New Testament. There's Matthew, and then there's Mark. And so the first four books of the New Testament are what we call the Gospels. They are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, uh, his crucifixion on the cross, and his resurrection. And so Mark was the very first Gospel, we believe, that was written. And we call it the Gospel of Mark, but we know that Mark traveled with Peter, and we really think that he wrote down the things that Peter experienced, what Peter told him happened. And so it could just as easily be called the Gospel of Peter, but we called it the Gospel of Mark because he was the actual writer of it. And so we have that. You know, this series is called The Challenge, and um, just in every week, we want to challenge ourselves in things that are connected to our walk with God. And, and last week, we talked about showing up, and you guys have done that. On a morning when, you know, i got to be real honest with you, man, when I went to bed last night, I'm like, that, uh, you know, I thought, man, how's it going to be to get up this morning? And I was, I was a little, just a little tired when I got up. Now, I'm, I'm good now. I had coffee and, and all that kind of thing. We got strong coffee and donuts out there, so that should really help you. But, um, uh, but just you guys being here, you know, just says something. And so we talked about how important it is that we just show up. The word church in the Greek is, uh, there's different ways to say I say ecclesia. But it's, um, it's a, it means in itself a gathering, a gathering, a getting together. And so how important this is, how much this matters, and you guys are here, and so that's good. We're going to talk about another thing today, and I'm going to use an old school kind of vintage term. We don't use it much anymore. Back in the day we used it. But the title of this message is having a quiet time. In other words, this time together, spending time with God and connecting with him. Now, I should be real transparent with you in my life because, I, you know, we want to be honest right here and tell the truth. The, the, the things that we're going to be talking about, things that, that, are, that help us in our walk to help keep us spiritually healthy like gathering is good for our walk with the lord it helps keep us healthy spending time with god on a daily basis keeps us healthy now i'll be real transparent with you. this is probably the one that challenges me the most which may surprise you and let me just draw a distinction here because i spend plenty of time in the word getting ready for my messages the thing i'm going to share i you know study and that type of thing but i'll just let you know that there's a difference between reading the word with that in mind and spending personal time with god where he's talking to me about things other than ministry, talking to me about my family, talking to me about my secret challenges, talking to me about the things I do that, that I, I, I'm, I do a good job, you know, most of the time about spending time with him on my message. But as far as that everyday kind of personal thing, it's the one that I work at, I mean, that I struggle with the most. And so maybe that's your story. We're going to look at this. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says this, before daybreak, everybody say daybreak. The next morning, Jesus got up and went out. Everybody say went out. went out. And went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So right here we see with Jesus that, that for him, he got up very early in the day, and then he went to a certain place, and there he prayed. There he prayed. Now, if you'll read what had happened just before that, the night before, he, he'd done some things. He, he preached, and he prayed over people, and people were healed. He cast out evil spirits, just different things. So th they'd had like this church experience the day before. But the next morning, he gets up, and he goes and does this. He spends time with the Father. And, and so there's a couple of things I want you to see here. No, number one is this, in the notes, is this. Jesus intentionally found a time and a place to spend time with the Father. In other words, he did it intentional. 
It was on purpose. He just didn't leave it to chance or, you know, just, you know, just kind of things happening. That was something he did on purpose. That, that even for him, the example he set for us was that on purpose he did this. And I think for us, listen to this. I think for us that the thing that we have to understand is that this doesn't just happen, that it has to be purposeful. We have to do this intentionally. We have to set aside a time and we have to have a place that we do this at. Now, I will tell you that, you know, and again, I know our stories are different. That's okay. It's what makes this place great is we all have different stories. But my story, as you know, as I've shared with you, I was raised in church. And so uh, often my, my quiet time looked like this, is that initially I would be like, okay, I may say like, okay, I'm going to read three chapters a day. And so I would start out like a house of fire, man. I'd read my three chapters. And some days I'd like, you know, I'm feeling pretty adventurous. I may read four chapters today. And so I would do that. But then there would be that day where everything just kind of piled on top of each other. And just one thing after another happened. And so eventually, I may run into that day where it's like, I didn't read any chapters. And I'd fall asleep. And then, and, you know, and then like I'd wake up and say, like, oh, no, I didn't read my three chapters today. You know, thank goodness Jesus didn't come back. He might have left me. I mean, you know, it's kind of how you feel. And so that wouldn't happen. But anyway, um, I mean, anyway. so anyway, so, so <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. So, the, so I would get up. And then I would think, okay, well, i got to read six chapters today to make up for the three. And so I'd read my six chapters, and then, you know, a few weeks would bump along, and then, I'd, you know, something would happen. And then the next day, something else would happen. And then, like, and then the third day, I'm like, oh, my gosh, i got to read nine chapters today. Well, eventually, sometimes you'd get to a point like, oh, my gosh, i got to read 30 chapters today. I think I'm going to watch TV. And so it would be one of those things that, that would happen because I became, you know, my goal was to finish a certain amount of stuff that it, it was really this kind of this to-do list. Now, let me just say this. We are all wired differently. And so my thing is not to get you to make your quiet time look like what mine looks like. Because it'll look different for you because of how you're wired than what mine will. My, my, my goal for all of us is to, to every day connect with God. To spend time with Him. There have been days for me where I've opened up the Bible and I've read a verse and it's just kind of leapt off the pages into my heart and just spoken to me. And there's been something there very powerful that just reaches into my world, speaks into my heart, and I read that. And it just kind of stays with me all day because the Holy Spirit's kind of revealing something to me. It's, he's pulling it up out of the pages to me. And it may be something that I've read a hundred times before. But he shows it to me and just reveals it. And it wasn't three chapters. It was one verse. But on that, in that verse, I connected with God that day. So I've had days like that. I've had other days where I begin to read and just the places that it's taking me, I just kind of continue to move. And, and you know, I re may read several chapters that day because there's just something that, again, the Lord's leading me into. But for me, I begin to make it my goal that my goal is not to say that I, I read so many chapters or, or did this much time, you know, in prayer or whatever, but did I connect with God today? Did He and I engage with however much time was there? And so, I think that, you know, whatever that looks like for you, however you do that, you know, it includes prayer and the word, but I think it has to take place in our life. And I think that most of us don't do this because, not because we're bad people, but our schedule just gets full. Uh, you know, we're, we're, again, I talked about last week, and it's true with a lot of these things, that, you know, it's not like we're doing bad things, man. I mean, if you have little kids now, they're enrolled in like 16 different little league teams. 
And then, you know, and then they have, you know, 12 other academic things that they have to go to. And then, you know, then, and, you know, and you're trying to work your job and you're trying to do your thing and trying to make sure that you stay healthy. I mean, just all, and all of these things, are, they're worthy and, and noteworthy and noble and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, is that if we don't do this intentional, then we won't do it instinctively. And so we get so busy that, that we, have, we, have to, we have to set aside time and do this on purpose. It was an example that Jesus gave us. He knew that when he got up, there was going to be a period of time when everybody else was up, that they were going to begin to make demands on him, begin to pull from him. And so if he was going to spend time with God, he would have to do it in this moment. But it was even more so than that. Not only would he have to do that, but he also needed to spend time with the Father so that whatever they needed, he would have to give to them. That would only come in God's presence and by being with him. So I think we're the same. I think our challenges are the same. And that for oftentimes, we don't do the things that we, that we need to do that maybe it's because we're not doing purposefully, intentionally. I mean, I know a lot of you are like me that you, today is Sunday, the first day of the week. And probably when you look ahead at this week, you're like, oh my gosh, man, I got so much stuff to do. I get it. I got a spring break, you, gotta, you know, you do something with your kids. You got to, you know, you, you got, you got your jobs. I mean, just even talking about it, me talking about it probably raises a level of anxiety for you. It's like, it's just to be quiet, I want to listen to what you're saying. But that's why this has to be intentional. That it's purposeful that you find a time and a place when you're going to do this every day when you're going to do this. So number one is this, is that Jesus intentionally found a time and a place to spend time with the Father. Look at number two. Go with me, if you would, to Judges 15. Now, Judges is in the Old Testament. It's like the seventh book of the Old Testament. There's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then Judges. Now, it's kind of a weird name, Judges, right? I mean, because you're like, why do they call it judges? Well, this was before Israel had a king and God would raise up different people. Sometimes he'd raise up men. Sometimes he would raise up women to lead the children of Israel during a time of crisis and a critical situation. So if you've heard of people like Gideon and Samson and Deborah and people like that, they were all people in the book of Judges. And so we're going to talk about Samson for just a minute. Now, Samson was one of the most unusual judges. Many of us know, who, know him. We've heard of him. He was the guy that let us know that, you know, hair shouldn't be such a big deal. But, and, I, and I agree with him. So, but here's the thing. is <laughs> I don't know why I say things like that. Anyway, but, so he, he, but he was the guy that, uh, you know, that his, the calling on his life was so tremendous that he's the only judge that God supernaturally gave his parents instruction on how he was to be raised. They said, look, he's to be a Nazarite from his birth. Now, for a long time there, I thought a Nazarite was somebody from Nazareth, but that's not what that was. A Nazarite was somebody that would make a vow. Typically, it would be for a year or two. They may make a vow and say, look, I'm not going to drink anything strong for the next year. And, or they would say, another thing that says, I'm not going to cut my hair for the next year. And so it would draw a distinction between them and the circles they ran in. And people would say, like, why are you doing this? You say, well, I'm a Nazarite. I've made this commitment. I've set apart my life. And so here's a, here's a symbol or a sign that my life has been set apart. But the instruction that, he was, that his parents were given was don't let him drink anything, no strong drink for the rest of his life, and don't let a razor come to his head. 
Because want, God wanted him to be a Nazarite from birth for the rest of his life. That for the rest of his life, he would be distinguished and set apart that he belonged to God. And so he had this great call in his life, and the Holy Spirit would come upon him, and he would operate in this supernatural strength. Now, you, how many of you have ever seen any kind of movies about Samson? Anybody ever seen a movie about Samson or whatever? Like in the picture, Samson never looks like me. I, I don't know why you're laughing. And so... He looks like, you know, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his early days. I mean, he looks like kind of like that. And I really, you know, and maybe, maybe he did, but I, I don't think that if we saw Samson that we would think, that dude is strong. I think he probably was fairly ordinary looking. I mean, you know, because the thing that gave him strength was not how much time he spent in the gym. It was like, yeah, man, I really got my guns showing today. I can take on some Philistines. No, that's how it was. I, but the Holy Spirit would come upon him and supernaturally the strength would come on him and God would use him to deliver. And the Philistines were this group of people that were adversarial towards the children of Israel. And they were constantly just creating pain upon the children of Israel. Well, God raises up Samson with this tremendous call in his life. And these things take place. And so Samson, he has this life of different things happening. We're going to pick up in Judges 15. It says this. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. And he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax. He, they, his, he was tied up. Until they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. That's a pretty creative name, right? Yeah, I'm going I'm to call my house that, Jawbone Hill. Anyway, so Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So he cried out to the Lord. So God caused water um, to gush out of a hollow in the ground at, Le uh, in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out and is still in Lehi to this day. Well, he wasn't a very creative guy. But anyway, so he named these places off. And, and here's the thing that we find out about Samson. Now, this is the first time that we have any recording of Samson praying in his life. He had a significant call upon his life. And yet we, we don't know of another time, I mean, uh, until later... We, we don't know of another time that he prayed, but up until now, this is the first time that we have any recording of this judge that was called by God, whose life was supposed to be set apart, that this is the first time we hear about him praying it. And I think the thing that's interesting is that when he's praying, it's not during a time of relationship where he's trying to grow in his relationship with God, that he's in trouble. He's praying now that he's in trouble. And I don't say that to throw stones at him or, or maybe, you know, I mean, that's the season you're in right now to throw stones at any of us because I've been that guy before too. Where sometimes my prayer life is, is kind of vacant. It's, it, it can almost feel empty. And then I get, I, you know, life gets hard. Something's going on. I'm in a critical situation. And all of a sudden I'm stirred up to pray because sometimes I feel like the only place I can turn in this moment is God. And here's the cool thing about it is God is so good and he's so merciful and he's so loving that he hears Samson's prayer. 
He didn't say to Samson, dude, I haven't heard from you in a while, you know, and, and you're out, you know, you're just dating all these girls and stuff like that that I don't want you to date, so I'm not going to hear your prayer. No, man, God still heard his prayer and answered his prayer because God's good. But then his life goes on, and he's with other women he shouldn't be with, and then eventually he, he, comes, he meets this girl named Delilah. And Delilah, he didn't know this, but Delilah... Uh, the Philistines had come to her and said, look, man, if you will get this guy to tell you the secret of his strength, then we're going to give you, like, lots of money. So she began to ask him, what's the secret of your strength? You know, how, why are you so strong? And so he kind of toyed with her a little bit, and he would tell her one thing, and, and that didn't prove to be true. And then he'd tell her another thing. Well, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read this to you. You can write it down. From Judges 16, verse 15, it says, Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. So she tormented him with her nagging, listen to this, day after day. She pouted. She toyed with him with, you know, with her nagging, that kind of thing. You know, it's funny, we men and women over centuries, we have no other tactics. It's the same thing, right? But, but anyway, so, so you, know, when men, you know, men whistle at girls like, that's the best we got right now. So anyway... Um, so she said, torment him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Or the secret of my strength is not anything other than the fact that my life is separated for God, for his plan and his purpose. And this is a, this is a visible sign of who I am and who I was created to be in God's plan for my life. He said, it would, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Everybody say anyone else. In other words, he's, it wasn't like he was to become weaker than other people. He was going to be average. Typical. Common. I think we had this picture that when all this happened, that all of a sudden somebody looks at Samson and goes, dude, have you not been going to the gym? What's happened to you? I mean, it wasn't that. He looked the same. He was just like everybody else. And so when this happened, she sent for the Philistine rulers. She realized he finally told her the truth. She sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said. For he's finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. Listen to this. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. So we have this, this moment when he's in trouble and we see him praying and God in his goodness responds. And then he goes back to living his life like he always does. Kind of on his own terms. Doing his own thing. Doing what he wants to do. Dating who he wants to date. Connecting with who he wants to connect with. And not realizing that there's a reason why God's using him. And that it's God's presence and it's God's strength. But he becomes indifferent to that. So indifferent that when, when that 
presence, when that anointing lifts off of him, he's not even aware that it's gone. Can you imagine him going out to fight as he's done before? And then without much effort at all, this time the Philistines take him in captivity and control him. And instead of killing him, they make him a trophy to their gods and to bring shame upon the children of Israel. And they bring him to a place, they put out his eyes, and they attach him to this mill where the same work that you would have an ox do to where he would grind that, they use him to do that. And some theologians say, well, I guess it was just the plan of God for him. No! No, it wasn't the plan of God for him. Samson made the same mistake that Rick makes sometimes. And that is, is that my prayerless life, whether I, whether I would intentionally say this or not, that it's communicating, God, that I don't need you to do this. I got this. Prayerlessness is me saying, I can do this on my own. And we have these constant reminders. I have these constant reminders in my life that there are some things that cannot be done without God's help. And the time that I'm reminded of that is when I'm in a situation that it's obvious to me that this can't be done without God's help. But the problem with that is, is that if that's the way my prayer life is, that the minute I'm on the other side of that, then my prayer life disappears. I can only imagine that if Samson would have daily spent time with the Lord, not out of obligation, not out of religious duty, but if he'd spent time with the Lord, that on a daily basis that God would have been speaking to him. And, and helping him and revealing things to him and warning him about the relationships he got into. Warning him about the direction he was going to go. Reminding him of who he was called to be. Of God's great plan for his life. And that wasn't Samson. Samson would get in trouble and he'd pray. Now as this time went on, his hair grew back. And once again, he's, he, he was in that, they, they had this great meeting together one day where they brought all their idols in, the Philistines did, and, and they, were, they were just so, they were celebrating that, you know, they had become just this huge, just kind of drunk fest, all that kind of stuff. And they said, bring in Samson, and they wanted to mock him. And so they brought him, they brought him in, they had some kid lead him in to just kind of, just to kind of show how much his strength had diminished. It doesn't even take armies to subdue this guy anymore, some kid can subdue him. And while he was there, that he asked this kid, he said, take me to the pillars. And he prayed this prayer again, where it was like, Lord, just this once, avenge me of my eyes. And his hair had grown back, which was a sign again that once again, his life had been separated to God. God heard his prayer, and it says that he pushed those load-bearing pillars apart. And the whole thing collapsed, and it said that he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life altogether. Samson is greatly used by God as he was because he'd missed out on the opportunities to walk with God and share in the wisdom of God and the life that God had for him. But this man whose call in his life was so great that he was the only judge that we know of that parenting instructions were given to him, to his parents for him. And yet, the, like the average span of all the other judges was 40 years. Samson only judged for 20 years before his life was cut short. I don't want to be Samson. I don't want my prayer life to be a picture of what it looks like to just live my life as if God, I'm indifferent to God's plan and his presence and his purpose. And then when I get in trouble, I reach out to him because I know he's good. Now, for some of you, you may be in that place right now, and, I, and I'm not shaming you. 
Please don't feel shamed. Please don't feel like, well, I guess I should, I haven't been praying, so I'm in trouble and I should be. No, no, no. Keep praying. But when you go to the other side of that, keep praying. Not so God will love you. He already loves you. He proves that even in those moments when I've been indifferent to him for years. I get in a hard place and begin to pray, and he shows up. I don't hear him say, you're on your own. Too late. No, man, his goodness shows up, but, but I miss out on so much. By not engaging with him and walking with him and, and him leading me and revealing things to me. So we have this call in our life. And so we spend time in the word and we spend time in his presence. And we do those things and the word speaks to us and his spirit speaks to us. Because I realize that to do what he's called me to do, not just in ministry, but in my marriage, I can't do that on my own. My wife and I are too different. We see the world different. She's, from, she's a foreigner. She's from California, for crying out loud, man. I mean, it's just, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm an American. I'm from Oklahoma. And so, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, we're just different. And I was... I was beguiled by her beauty, and so I married her. I don't know what beguiled her to marry me. She's probably questioning that. But, but, but in order to be the husband that God has called me to be, I can't do that in my own strength. In order to be the dad he's called me to be, I can't do that in my own strength. I need his presence to be a part of that. Prayer is my invitation to give him access to every part of my life. That's what prayer is. It's an invitation. And prayerlessness is me saying in my behavior, I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. Until I don't got it. And so we have this. We look at Samson's life and the things that even though God used him in great ways, what he missed out on. And so we need that time to be more than when we're in trouble. We need that time to be more than we're in trouble. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Exodus 33. Exodus is in the Old Testament. It's the second book of the Old Testament. Genesis and then Exodus. So in Exodus 33 verse 7. It says, it says, It, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who, wanted to, who, I'm sorry, everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch at Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud came down and hovered at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So... The children of Israel were traveling in the wilderness now, and they had these certain things that they carried with them. And they would go, the Lord would take, would just lead them, and they would stay in a place as long as the Lord had them stay there. The cloud would move to a certain place, they would stay there. And sometimes it would be a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. And then when, if the cloud would move, they moved. If the cloud stayed, they stayed. But one of the things they would always set up was this tent, and it was called the tent of meeting. And it's where whenever you prayed, if you, if you had a request that you would go into this place and make these requests. And so again, it, you know, on the one hand, it might kind of spur this, you know, crisis situation. But the interesting thing is that when you look at Moses, 
that he would go in that tent regularly. And sometimes the children of Israel, instead of going on their own, on their own initiative to spend time with God, they would have to be inspired. They would see Moses going like, oh, okay, yeah. And so they would, they would bow, and then they would go into their own tent and pray. But then it's interesting when you look at how this, how this, how this connection, this, this not confrontation, but just this thing that takes place with Moses and God. It says this. It says, when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in the front of their own tents. Now listen to this. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Everybody say face to face. As one, as one speaks to a friend. That doesn't sound very religious, does it? Moses would go in and his language didn't change. He probably didn't start saying a lot of these and thous all of a sudden. His voice probably didn't get deep, deeper than what it typically would be. Do you know why? Because this wasn't a religious exchange. It was a relational exchange. And he was, he was enjoying the presence of God, the person of God. And they would talk face to face as friends talk to another. The people that my friends in my life are the ones I can be the most vulnerable with. The one that I can share my struggles and my challenges with. The ones that I know will tell me the truth and yet aren't judging me or condemning me. They may challenge me and it may convict me, but that's okay because they're my friends. So this conversation wasn't a church service and it wasn't some religious activity. It wasn't some duty or obligation. It was God going into the presence. I'm sorry, Moses going into the presence of God and they would have this conversation. One of the challenges sometimes when we start talking about spending time with God, that some people are like, well, where do I start reading my Bible? And, and sometimes, you know, my thing is I would say a lot of times start in the book of John, certainly start in the New Testament somewhere with one of those, John or Mark, one of the Gospels, and, and then just read different, different chapters. I, I would say that. But then also when it comes to prayer, I remember my mom, who to me had such a, such a heart for God, but she was, she was a servant, and she did things behind the scenes. And like if, you, if we were all sitting together, and I would say, hey, mom, pray over this, She'd be like, can you get somebody else? She just didn't feel comfortable praying in public. And, I was, and because, because of, you know, where I'm at and that kind of thing, you know, I talk more in public than I should. That, I mean, I was kind of like, why don't you want to pray, you know? But, but I would notice I would go in and there on, on the, the sofa table or something like that would be this little book that had these daily devotionals in it. And I know that my mom, who publicly had a hard time engaging in this, secretly behind the scenes had this daily, this daily encounter this daily invitation to meet with Jesus. So Moses would show up, and he would have this conversation. Now, they weren't peers. It wasn't me hanging out with my bud. It was God. But the love that God had for him, even though he's God, created this environment where Moses could talk with him, and God interacted with him and engaged with him in such a way that it looked like two friends talking. Moses understood that the reason why the tent of meeting wasn't something that he did when somebody else did. It was something that he did probably on a regular basis because he knew it was a relationship. It wasn't like, okay, mowed the lawn, went to the gym, spent quiet time. No. That it, was, it was an engagement with God's presence because he knew that whatever he needed to do out there, he couldn't do on his own. He couldn't do it through his own strength. 
through his own ability, even his own desire, because those things wane in season and wane over time. And that sometimes God changes direction, and so he had me going this way, now he's going to have me go this way. And so all of those things take place, and, and yet with it, that Moses probably had this realization that I need him to do the things he's called me to do, but I just don't need him. I want to be in his presence. And so I know for some of you, because you're genuine and you're real, and all you've seen is this one picture of this is how we pray and that type of thing that you felt uncomfortable praying because you didn't know how to do it. And the best thing I can tell you, man, is that you just, as you begin to talk to God, realize this. Number one is that he's God. But then second of all, that he loves you. And so you begin to have that conversation with him because you recognize who he is. Number three is this, is that time should be an expression of a relationship. I spent time with Jesus this morning. I sat down and talked with him, and he gave me God thoughts. That there were nudges that I just realized it was him, or I read scripture, and he spoke to me from these verses. There were things that he revealed to me. This one verse that I've read like a hundred times today, something popped out at me that I've never seen before. And so I know it was the Holy Spirit quickening that in me. It was the Holy Spirit revealing that to me, that, that God was, was just revealing a little bit more of himself. He was using the Holy Spirit to do so. And so there's something about that, that, that our walk with him, that it doesn't become as hard. One of the reasons why your walk with God is so hard is because you're doing it in your own strength. You were never meant to do it in your own strength. It's his life, his presence, his purpose that helps us do that. And we, we take access of it. We partake in it. We get in his presence. And it's like a thirsty person. The other person has a pitcher of water. And he's like, drink till you're full. There's something powerful about that. And we leave that, his presence prepared for the day. Ready for what's next. Equipped to do the things that he's called us to do. Having spent time with somebody that loves us. I love the way this ends. This is afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua... Son of none would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So Moses was leading, but Joshua just kind of assisted him and said that Joshua would remain behind. He would linger there. There's something powerful about lingering in the presence of God, not being in a hurry, not getting, having all these other distractions. You're just kind of lingering there and to see what God does in you, what he shows you, what he restores, what he heals in you, in his presence. That's what he has for us. I want you to to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Just, I want you just there, just there in your heart, just the place only in God's see. You just spend a moment with God. I I believe the Holy Spirit is is gonna, you're gonna have an awareness of his presence there as you're talking. Just there in your heart, the the things that are going on in your life. And and, and again, feel no guilt if you're going through a hard place saying, I don't wanna be like Samson was. No, that's not what I'm saying. in the hard places, talk to him. But when you're on the other side of the hard places, keep talking to him. So talk to him about your hard places right now. And see what Jesus does you, what the Holy Spirit reveals to you, what he heals or restores or how he encourages you. Let's just spend a moment with God.
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be with you right now. God, our lives are yours. And Jesus, we just drink in of your presence. And just we just receive all the things that you have for us right now. Holy Spirit, as you reveal to us more and more of who Jesus is in our lives and, and what he has for us and what he wants to do in us and through us. So I pray that. And Father, that we, we want to make sure that we commit to time with you, time in your word, time in prayer, time with the Holy Spirit that's set aside on purpose a meeting, an appointment with you daily to connect with you so that the things you called us to do, that we don't do them on our own strength, in our own power, but with your presence to help us. So, Lord, we thank you for that. One last thing I want to do, and that is with heads bowed and eyes closed, man, if you're here today, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you've never made him Lord of your life, and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. You know, being a Christian is more than just believing in God, but it's this recognition of who Jesus is and, and what he's done for us, that he's taken our sin upon him. And when we receive him, make him Lord, surrender our will to his, then we become forgiven and we're made new creatures in Christ. If you've never done that before and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. Second of all, if you're here and you say, Rick, I've done that, but, but honestly, man, I've gotten off track. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I need to be, but I want to get back to that place. Can I? Absolutely you can. You say, well, how do you know? Because I've been you. I've gotten off track before too. I know what that's like. But I can tell you from experience that he will restore you. So if that's you, if you want to rededicate your life, recommit your life today, I want to pray for you. And he'll restore you to the plan of God, to the purpose of God. You'll leave here again forgiven. And then lastly, if you're here and you say, you know, sometimes I think I'm saved, but other times I struggle with what if I'm not? And I wish I could just be sure. Well, I want that for you too, and I believe you can. So if that's you, I want to pray for you that you'll leave here knowing that you're his. So for any one of those three things, whether you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, or to rededicate and recommit your life to him, or just to leave here with the confidence that you're his. If that's you on any one of those three things, I want to pray for you today with heads bowed and eyes closed, just so I know who I'm praying for. Just so I know I'm praying for with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand up for a moment, and then you put it back down, just raise it up there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Who else wants to join these? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Well, I, I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person that's raised their hand. I thank you, Lord, that you love them, that you have a great plan for their life. And Father, if this is their first time, I pray that they would become a new creature in Christ, that old things would pass away and all things would become new. And Father, if they're rededicating their life, I thank you that you'll restore the joy of their salvation. That they'll leave here again just reconnected to the plan and purpose of God. And lastly, Father, for any of those that are struggling with, am I really saved? I pray when they leave here today, they would, they would know they're yours, not because they feel like it. And they would know they're yours, not because they act like it. But they would know they're yours because you said whoever calls on Jesus will be saved. So in the days that we don't feel like it or don't act like it, we know we're yours because our confidence is not in how good we feel or how good we are. Our confidence is in what Jesus has done for us. And that's enough. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name.
Now, look, I prayed for you, and that's good, man. We should pray for each other. But because God wants a relationship with us, he wants you to talk to him. So if you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to be able to be bold and not intimidated or hindered, but to passionately talk to God. Again, talk to him. This is you talking to him, being part of that relationship. So I'm going to have you repeat after me, but because we're for you and you're not in this alone, I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat after me to encourage those of you to raise your hands. So let's all say this. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I surrender my will to yours. I receive you as my Savior now. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. And I believe with all my heart that you were raised from the dead so I could be forgiven. I call upon you now and ask you to forgive me and to live in me. And I thank you for forgiving me and saving me and loving me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Such a big part of who we are, man, introducing people to a real relationship with Jesus. Thank you for being a part of that. And we love it. So when the service is over, if you need more, want us to connect with you when you leave, the ushers will have a bag back there that will have some material information in that we can give you. And so it will help you on the next thing. So the challenge last week was to continue gathering. I know my son and uh, my oldest son and uh, daughter-in-law, they're out of town visiting family this week, and he sent me a picture. They're in church in, in, uh, in a place in Texas today. And so uh, I'm not going to make, yeah, man, uh, yeah, whatever. So anyway, I'm not, <laughs> not going to have him, you know, have the pastor sign a bulletin or anything like that, but he sent a picture to me. So but anyway, I just thought it was cool. He's like, this is where we are today. That was just awesome, uh, even though it wasn't Texas. So, um, so we have that. And so here's the challenge for this week. And that is we have devotionals that are written every week. Leanne writes these. And so I, I'm going to ask everybody to go through the devotionals this week. You can do it one of two ways. As you leave, you can get the devotionals back by the door. Or if you prefer a digital method, if you'll go to YouVersion, the YouVersion app, and there's a place that says events, and tap events, you'll see that, um, you'll see that Cedar Point is one of the churches that you can choose from. So choose that. It'll have our devotional on there as well. Another thing that we're going to do is 1 John is a letter that was written by the Apostle John. It's not the gospel, not, not the fourth book of the Bible, but 1 John is back towards the back. It's a five-chapter book. Well, that's right, five-chapter book or letter. And so um, we're going to read that together as a body this week. So tomorrow you'll start with 1 John 1 and that kind of thing, and then also the devotional. So we have those. So that's our challenge this week is that we're going to set aside time Every day to connect with God. Every day to connect with God. All right, I love you guys. I'm going to turn this over to Christine. Give her a big hand. I'll see you at the door. Bye.